Hello, everyone, and welcome to On the Hook, the voice of Canada's crane and hoist industry. Today, we welcome Susan Shoddick, the Human Resources Manager of UCEL Urban Construction Equipment Limited, to look at the opioid crisis in the construction sector and what solutions there are to help treat and return those suffering from addiction to the workforce. Hello, Susan. Hello. Thanks for having me. Very nice to have you on. Now, drug addiction is something that we have all encountered, and that includes alcohol and prescription drugs. In today's podcast, we're specifically looking at the opioid crisis. Could you explain just what is listed as an opioid drug for our listeners, please? Uh, Certainly. I I think that uh, drug addiction can mean different things to different people, but really for the purposes of this discussion and the initiatives that need to be put into place, we're talking about a a physical and a mental reliance on either prescription or non-prescription pain relief, so painkillers. These pain relievers contain either natural or synthetic versions of the chemicals that interact with the opioid receptors in your brain, and those are the parts of your brain that regulate how you experience pain, of course. So uh, prescription versions of these pills are known by things like morphine, Oxycontin, Percocet. So those are the typical ones that uh, you would be you know, getting from your family doctor. And then there's you know, illegal versions, of methamphetamine, heroin, et cetera. Uh, and then the big problem right now, which is fentanyl. So we've all heard about this. It's incredibly, it was overprescribed. It's incredibly addictive, but it's effective. So people get hooked on it. And uh, that's where we are now. And it's, I mean, very, very minuscule amounts of fentanyl that can do so much harm as well. Absolutely. That's what's causing all of these, you know, sometimes in sometimes first time users, it's what's causing these very fast overdoses. People just have no idea what they are getting themselves into. And it's just a shame. Now, how prevalent is opioid addiction within the construction in this industry? And mm-hmm. how does an addiction start and how difficult is it to overcome? Well, I don't, I don't think we can overstate the extent of the current opioid crisis in Canada and specifically on people that work in trades. Um, the construction industry has one of the highest rates of substance abuse and substance use disorders compared to to all other industries and the rates of those that drink and use drugs unfortunately have skyrocketed partially due to COVID and certainly over the course of the last couple of years. Addiction is notoriously difficult to measure. Very few people seek treatment and uh, it's at our best estimate right now is that about 14% of those that work in trades have a full-blown addiction and that doesn't sound like a terrible number of people that works out to about a million people. Wow. Yeah. So, and then there's other frightening statistics, like in Ontario, construction workers account for about 3% of the total population, but 30% of the fatal overdoses. So this is a huge problem. Those are incredible numbers. That's, yeah. uh, that's unreal. These are, this is, this is all uh, very recent research that's come out, which is why this, you know, we're highlighting this today. And hopefully starting a, a better com- bit of a conversation, but there's a significant correlation when it comes to addiction, there's a, a correlation between injuries and opioid addiction. So as I mentioned, these are painkillers. This is pain relief. So if somebody has gone to their, you know, experienced an injury at work, gone to their family doctor and gotten a prescription for a brief amount of time, and then found that, you know, this is something that they can no longer control. Their pain is not under control and they need assistance. So you can see once the you know, if you have a trusted medical professional saying, here's something that will help you that works, but requires increasing 
stronger doses in order to keep that pain under control. You can see how you can catch yourself in this very vicious cycle and that's where an addiction can begin. And then again, uh, with something like fentanyl, there's such a quick chance that somebody can get very sick and or die when taking it that that's where we find ourselves in the problem that we're in now. Uh, given the dangers of that, I mean, what what makes opioid addiction so very dangerous in the construction industry? Uh, I mean, for those operating cranes, the potential for serious injury and death, that, that seems obvious. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, these are, you know, we're working at heights and uh, and all construction work and carries with it uh, an element of danger. There's, you know, industry-wide trends that there are aggressive deadlines to be met. There's a shortage of labor, meaning that workers might be working shorthanded or their work is rushed. Uh, const- most construction workers work frequently with heavy machinery, tools, hazardous chemicals, uh, working at heights, they're battling elements. Uh, they, the need to complete a task often relies on other trades. So there, you know, there, there's a layer upon layer you can see, even for a worker who is an absolute peak mental and physical condition, there's plenty of hazards. And then you add in, of course, the, men, the, the typical physical element, very few people are, are working at, you know, peak mental and physical health at the moment. Uh, this is work that requires constant focus, con- good coordination and constant judgment controls. So construction workers are real people that do, you know, heavy work and bending, lifting, climbing, physical work that leaves people vulnerable to injury. So when that injury happens, there's this pressure to just, you know, work through it, rub some dirt on it, keep going. It's an industry. Yeah. It's just an industry-wide culture that really needs to change. You can't just tell people to walk it off. Uh, this is a male-dominated profession, and unfortunately, a lot of men traditionally just haven't been taught to value their own good health. It's it, it's something that's uh, it's that tough guy mentality, and you don't want to mm-hmm. show weakness. And I think, uh, uh, sort of as a sideways glance at this, I, I think bringing more women into the profession may help to cure men of this stupid idea that they need to do this. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say stupid, but again, <laughs> I, I hope so. I, I mean, that would be, that's part of it. I think it's, and I think it's just education. I think it's teaching men, uh, especially young workers that are starting new into the trades. I think it's teaching them to value their health. Young workers hurt themselves more often. They don't ask questions. They don't stop to uh, question an employer because they're afraid they want to make a good impression. And that's, you know, of course, that's when people get hurt. Absolutely. Um, do you think that uh, with the uh, younger cohorts coming in, the younger mm-hmm. men coming in specifically, uh, they're more attuned to realizing that they need to behave better and, and be aware of what's going on? I would like to think so. And certainly we're seeing that trend pretty much, you know, across the younger cohort. That being said, again, this is a male-dominated profession. And if the culture of, it, it really depends on the company that you're working for. If, the, if you're at a good company like ours, and you're, you know that your health is valued and you feel safe and questioning when you are asked to do something that you feel is unsafe, that's one thing. If you're working at a company that is working shifts, is shorthanded, is rushing and maybe doesn't have the controls in place, but you're really trying hard because this is your first job and you're afraid to make waves, then you've kind of got a perfect storm. Indeed. Uh, you are listening to On the Hook, 
the voice of Canada's crane and hoist industry. And today's guest is Susan Shodek from UCEL. In this episode, we look at the opioid crisis within the construction industry and what we are doing to help those battling addiction. Uh, now, you've touched on a few things already, Susan. What measures um, are UCEL taking to help those afflicted by addiction? And what resources are there for those looking for help? Luckily, the people that work here at UCEL are in a better position than someone, for example, that's you know working under the table, is working seasonally, or working for themselves. We have really established a culture of safety, health, and wellness, first and foremost. Uh, anyone that works for us uh, it has you know, a plethora of training before they're allowed to go out into the fields. Uh, we have coverage under the Workplace Safety and Insurance Board, and we have a collective agreement in place that if somebody is injured, they know that their position is protected before they go off and, uh, to recuperate. So all of our workers are permanent full-time workers, and that alleviates a huge amount of stress around just taking the time off for work. Because of course, if you are self-employed, or in a lot of construction trades, uh, if you're if you're not union in a unionized position, you don't qualify for any kind of job protection, which is why people are afraid to take time off when they really need it to heal. Um, that being said, of course, no one in this industry is exempt from this issue. We all need to be concerned. Uh, there's shift work, there's access to alcohol and drugs, there's long hours, there's high stress work, and then there's a stigma against getting help if you are having issues. So what we did when we looked at these, you know, frightening statistics and we looked at our policies, it's really not enough to just put the naloxone kit, kits in, you know, in trucks and say, okay, we're done, wash our hands of it. We really looked at what we could do to better support our workers. So we held a session, we pulled in all the four people into the office and we held a session where we shared, just shared the information. Hopefully that's spark some conversation right there. We held toolbox toolbox talks then. So each foreman goes back to their crew and shares them in smaller groups. And these are typically groups that work together very, you know, in a tight knit unit. So the message can get across in the smaller, on a smaller scale and a more direct personal way. Um, just to make sure that the company was shared, uh, sorry, the information was shared company-wide. And then we created this reference sheet that we've posted on our website as well as communicated out to all of the employees. And we posted it in a couple of private places around the, the shop and office environment as well, in case somebody's looking for information but doesn't necessarily want to make it very public that you know these are resources that they're seeking. I think taking that multi-prong approach is very helpful because you can have the big general meeting and no one's going to raise their hand saying, oh boy, do I have an opioid addiction? Can you help me yes. out? Whereas yes. if you break it down into the toolbox idea you have there where it's a small group and people are more comfortable with those that they work with and they can say, mm -hmm. well, I'd like to learn more or I've encountered this or I, or I did have an addiction. Here's how I overcame it. Well, we had a couple of scary conversations where people put their hands up and said, yep, I've seen people overdose on sites. I've seen, I've seen this happen. I've seen people with problems. So it's, yeah, it's, it's everywhere and it's frightening. It's not a, a rare occasion, as you mentioned, the numbers, it's 3% of the population in construction, 30% are, are encountering issues with it. So those are right. frightening, frightening numbers. It's a lot of people. Well, of course, that leads me to my last question. Um, are we winning the battle against opioid addiction? And perhaps uh, what can governments do and the private sector to help workers overcome addiction? 
Uh, sure. Um, I don't know if I would call it a battle because that kind of implies that there's winners and losers and I wouldn't want to put it that way. But I think uh, what we can do now and what we are doing a little bit better is having conversations, particularly with men, around stress, around injury and around mental health and addiction. Um, you know, changing the language, just admitting that, you know, a lot of my, a lot of the population in on job sites are people that use drugs. And that's something that we all need to talk about and be aware of. And this is a potentially very vulnerable population that's prone to injury. And that's a time that we need to really protect our workers. I, I think a big part of my job here at UCEL is, is seeking out, you know, I'm, I'm trying to hire people. I'm trying to get people trained to work in these roles. And I need to know that we've done everything we can to prepare them for the reality of, that they're going to face. And I think any construction company that claims that they put the safety of their workers first and then doesn't actually take into account their mental and emotional well-being is just somewhere I wouldn't want to work. Uh, I'm obviously not a policy expert. Uh, in an ideal world, federal and provincial regulations that protect the rights of workers, provide for paid sick days, uh, better regulations on physicians when they are prescribing these medications, uh, you know, to understand pain control and pain management beyond, you know, here is a bottle of pills and all the best yeah. uh, yes. is, you know, is the very least we can do as a society. And then just us as individuals, if you are someone that works in construction, if you love someone who works in construction, if you know someone or have a colleague that particularly a colleague that is struggling with injury, we need to know that's the best time to be reaching out, you know, that uh, in the research that we were doing when we were putting these policies in place, something like 80% of the deaths take place alone at home. That's incredible. And we want to know that our workers, I'm not saying that a phone call could have, you know, necessarily saved lives, but just imagine if this was widely communicated, at least and known, imagine how many people might still be with us. Everyone thinks of if there's a severe injury or a death, it's at the work site. But no, in these situations, it's their home and it's a, it's an overdose mm -hmm. death. Exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a true tragedy and it's why it's so necessary for us to address this issue. And well, uh, even more so now because we have a large number of people who are retiring and we're yes. needing to fill those roles with younger people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, I know when I was in my early 20s, uh, my knowledge of, um, you know, how to manage pain or what have you, it was very, very minimal. I can imagine. And I, I would, I would argue that it's still, it's, the, it's still the same. It's still a problem. I still see, you know, I had a worker in my office today that sort of said, oh, I think I got something in my eye. What should I do? Like, well, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to take you to the hospital right now. And we're going to, you know, we're going to keep an eye on you. We're going to get you looked out and then we're going to figure out what you need to do. And, you know, he was, he genuinely wasn't quite sure where he should go or what he should do. And that's, that means I have a training deficit and we're going to have to have a toolbox talk about eye protection. And, you know, I, this is a young man that should know. Yes, so it's, it's still a problem, but they, you know, I, 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 I have sons myself and I'm trying to teach them to take care of themselves physically and emotionally. And I know a lot of parents are doing that as well. And, you know, it's step-by-step. Step. And it's, uh, I think too, there may be a reluctance with, you see in the news everywhere, um, the long lineups in emergency rooms. Sure, sure. And perhaps that 
it, it feeds that reluctance to saying you need to go to the hospital and they say, I don't want to sit there for three hours, four hours, what have you. Exactly. So ideally, hopefully uh, we can continue to educate people and let them know that the hospital is there to help you. Um, people like yourself, human resources, people are there to talk to, uh, bounce ideas off, to ask questions to ensure that health is maintained. Exactly. And that health means more than just physical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it sounds like uh, you folks are doing some fantastic uh, work there at UCEL, and well, we truly do appreciate it. Thank you. I want to thank Susan Shodek of UCEL for taking the time to speak with us on this very important issue confronting the industry and providing some solutions to help overcome opioid addiction. Thank you so much, Susan. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. This podcast is brought to you by Crane & Hoist Canada magazine, discussing and examining the issues facing the Crane & Hoist industry its operators, vendors, and those out on job sites. We examine in depth the new technology and safety measures being introduced across Canada, the concerns and experiences from operators, and the challenges of replacing decades of experience as many choose retirement in the next five years. We hope that you will give us a listen and reach out to us with your stories to help make our industry bigger and better than ever before. If you are interested in being a part of future podcasts, please contact myself, Don Horn, the editor of Crane & Hoist Canada Magazine by email at dhorne at annexbusinessmedia.com. And please put in the subject line of the email, podcast. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you and stay safe.